When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey heroes, it's James, your Game Master, and welcome back to the pre-roll. Uh, once again, we are doing a wrap-up episode this week where I'm talking to Liz, Tyler, and Johnny about really our experience of Skyjacks thus far. This episode includes some cool world-building stuff, so if you want to learn more about the world of Sphere, I definitely recommend listening. And if you're excited for us to return to story episodes next week, get even more excited because we are going straight into a two-part miniseries where I invited friend of the show Ben Meredith on to reprise his role as Remington Youngblood in a negotiation with The Broker. Ben and I played a custom Powered by the Apocalypse game for this series, and is full of good moments and lots of cool world information, and of course foreshadowing of events to come. So even though we're not going to be resuming with the main cast next week, there will be story, and it will be good. Finally, before we get to the episode, I wanted to point out that this year OneShot did support the 2021 Geeks Doing Good drive over with World Builders, and we created some brand new merch for it. Unfortunately, our merch was not up at a time where I could tell y'all on the podcast. The drive is closed right now, but the new merch that we developed for it is headed to the World Builders marketplace. And to give you a preview of what we've got in store for you, we have a brand new Skyjacks bandana with a design based on Jonnet Kessler. We've got a black design for our Uhuru Jolly Roger shirt that includes the spot foil printing that everyone loved so much last time. And we've created an all-over print t-shirt using the Boganalia handkerchief design. Everything looks really cool and I can't wait to get it into people's hands. And I will let all of you know as soon as that's available in the World Builders Marketplace. If you'd like to check out some of the older designs that we developed with World Builders, you can find that there right now. Just search for One Shot Podcast in the World Builders Marketplace, and that'll bring you right to our page. You can also follow the link in the show notes. Now, with all of that out of the way, let's get to the show. Start the Q&A, James. <laughs> yeah, let's, Start let's, it. let's move back to the Q&A and let's look at some listener questions. One of the questions that we did get that, that I think will be a lot of fun to, to hear answers to, it comes to us from Knife Patron. Hi, uh, our teenage also, friend. Yes, our, our teen friend who's just so good at art, Knife Patron asks, who is your favorite slash the funniest NPC to play or interact with? James and one of the reasons fun. I think this is fun is this is just complimenting me. For <laughs> I was about uh, to say, like you, you are straight up ninety-seven percent. Probably that that one. Well, woman, obviously, they're a bathroom Barry. The one woman in her bag of husbands. Oh, oh my god! god. <laughs> Excellent. That was so much fun. I do miss moments like that. That is one of the things. After JPC left the show, we got fewer of those, the, and I desperately, desperately the miss. omelet chef. Oh man. Yeah, I feel like oh man, there's there, there's there's a there's a line to toe because I feel like there's like too much and too little. But like moments of just like, hey, we're doing our quest. Who's that guy? 
let's follow him for a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> what's down, what's yeah. down this rabbit hole? Yeah. One of the things that I like that, like, I, one of the reasons I'm very excited for that moment th- where we pulled, uh, where I had to leave and y'all just kept playing. Like that feels like that energy is back. And I don't know if, uh, yeah, we went to a restaurant, (laughs) a chain restaurant. (laughs) That's, I mean, that's great folks. That is the sort of thing that I love to see. And I think maybe adding another performer, uh, to the group, we'll feel liberated and empowered to do that. But like one of the things that I appreciated about the, the star Wars campaign and that I like about Neo scum, honestly, is that the cast can just come in as these NPCs whenever. I just think that's fun. I, I think that's fun. And I like that. Uh, so I like, I very much do enjoy moments of like the woman with their with their bag of husbands. I think there yeah, there's something to be said about like once there's three of us and there's an arc to get through. I don't know about you guys, but I feel very like well, James has his little story to tell and I don't want to interfere with it. And I I part of me is like let's not make this go over over time <laughs> like cuz even when we're f- laser focused it takes us to- Years to get out of a town. <laughs> uh, yeah, what, that's one of the things, peeling back the curtain, one of the original things at the start of this arc is I'm like, I want this to be a quick one because there's plot <laughs> stuff that I want to get to further on down the road. Like, I ha- we, we are going to have a guest performer in the next arc. I reached out to them before we started Ungoni because I'm like, <laughs> Ungoni is... This is the handoff of the feather weave and three you know, sessions, maybe secretly. It's like, this is also where I get to reveal that the feather weave that they've been carrying isn't normal feather weave. Like those are the only agenda that I had for it. And I think we found some really, really spectacular moments in there, but like Ungoni to me feels deliberately more abridged than Nordia did mm. like Nordia we took a basically a year in in Nordia. We at the time we we took the length of all of the show that happened to play out really? Nordia. Yeah. Oh, because we, the combat took, took like, like two months. Yeah. Yeah, we started on uh, Nordia like somewhere in the forties, and we finished it somewhere in the eighties. Wow. Uh, so. Yeah. It, it, it took a long time, but I also think Nordia is one of our strongest arcs. Uh, I'm not going to shy away from a longer arc if I feel like we're doing good work with it, but we were trying to like do this quickly. So <laughs> I can see, I can see the idea of pulling away from that, but like, I never want y'all to think that like, I can't do the things that I want to do out of this show. If you come in and play some wacky NPCs for a little bit like that, I find to be so much fun. Like uh, I, I would never sacrifice that for the world. I've never concerned myself with what you intend to do. Yeah. <laughs> and Johnny, that's why I like working. With I, you. I uh, consider myself Johnny O'Mara to be an antagonist to you, James D'Amato. Oh, (laughs) I like that. I'm going to start adopting that. Mm. Mm. (laughs) Oh, you're going to (laughs) start? Is that what I hear? You're going to start? Oh, gosh. Cool. Can't wait to see until you get rolling on that in earnest. What will that look um, like? I can't imagine. A a more real and selfish answer to this question, too. Not, well, no, I did like obviously like interacting with that woman and her husband's. But obviously, Margaret was very fun to play with. That, but that's just like a fun in a much different way. Um, and 
I don't know if he's legally an NPC, but Jolly Jack was also a very that little game that we played was like one of my favorite really things good. that yeah. that I've done. I I mean, I still can't believe that that even happened. It was such a cool thing to mm-hmm. like fall into play. Like there are a lot of people uh who I have seen at least on Reddit who are like uh it feels like so much of the show is planned out and I I can't stress enough how not in control of my own show I feel. Um <laughs> that too is one of my favorite things for this and Star Wars is how many things we're able to give meaning to that maybe were not originally something that had quite as much meaning or significance. And I I think that that makes things seem more planned out than they actually are. Well, and also like one of the big shifts in how we approach the show from Star Wars to here is our like sitting down before each arc having that session zero having that like what's in this place who's in this place and whatnot because like a lot of the stuff that i think might read to people like i am you know railroading you through my prepared material is we have sat down together and created this stuff and i am just showing you all the stuff that you came up with when we were planning things out like in Ungoni, that the 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 d- dance contest and whatnot, that was not something that our freelancer came up with. That is something that that you all came up with, and we tied in to this world. Uh, so like, that's just me taking the ideas that y'all gave me and uh, putting them in front of you in like plot significant moments. Uh, and it, along the way, for a lot of that, I feel like huge surprising things happened like a lot of the travis stuff this arc is not stuff that i was anticipating addressing here and now um little things that drew said and little things that johnny said made me go well this is kind of the perfect moment to drop some of these bombs here so let's let's just do it let's let's take advantage of this which you know i wasn't planning on travis knowing anything about the nature of the forest queen until like we kind of encountered the forest queen, which I it's in the future, but I don't know when, you know, I think my favorite is slam. Mm-hmm. Oh, slam! Mm-hmm. because I love that. He has his origins in community generated content. And that's, mm-hmm. I like it when we have characters that are strong enough that are like, you are part of the show, dear listener. Not frequently, because most of the time, you shouldn't have done that. (laughs) (laughs) Most most of the time, shame. (laughs) Oh, oh, you spent money on this. (laughs) One of the things that uh, I am now requiring in in the new submissions that we get, which we're we're probably not going to encounter this for a while, is if somebody is referencing something, they have to tell us what they're referencing. Yes. Thank you. So much of your, uh, of like some of the later Diruhurus feel like you are fishing to try and find references that you don't understand. What's the thing? What's the thing? (laughs) Yeah. It's just like, all right, I get it. I'm not smart enough. I don't get this. For a lot of it, there's not a thing. There isn't a thing. (laughs) And you looking for it is distracting from the fun that you could be having if you weren't. (laughs) Um, But (laughs) yeah, like I, I do, I really do like hearing. NPCs that uh, people have come up with, like actually 
incorporating themselves in like slam is obviously the biggest example but uh bad will i think is another character that like kind of just fits and and will fit in these very specific moments for these very specific bits uh and one of the things that we get to do on our interlude arcs on our between arcs things is like just go around and have people play uh different characters and see how npcs are getting along so like I, I enjoy that very much. And, and Slam is such a good example of that. Mm-hmm. I would say Otto, but we've not seen the bad And I, I would like to never see Otto. Like to never. <laughs> well, I mean, for Otto, really, we got to bring Arnie yeah. in to play Otto. That'd be because, great. like, the character that I was playing before that song hits is not Otto Van Von oh, Veen. No, it's not. <laughs> we know who Otto Van Von Veen is now. Um, <laughs> when and, you, you first know, I, sent that to us, I was at. Was I in Florida? I must have been because, oh, yeah, because I, I had to go because my, my mom broke her leg. Uh, and I played it and she was in the same room and I started like sobbing with laughter and she had no idea what I was listening to. I was like, what, what, what are you doing? What is this? What is this? Okay, we're, we're, we got a couple uh, other questions here that I, I think are good here. This one, I have to imagine, is a Nordia-related question and, and not an Ungoni-related question is, in what ways did the change to power, uh, Travis's power impact the decisions made in this arc? Oh, no, this is definitely Ungoni because it, it's night today. Um, what would have gone substantially different if the powers didn't get changed? Um, I mean, on my end, it is basically how I'm framing scenes. It It's the reason that the tornado calling happened at the evening and night instead of uh during daylight it impacts like the timing of like uh, you know it was it was evening and like Jonnet was doing his teen adventure dance while we were doing this big handoff of the feather weave and money because that's when travis would be a man yeah it feels like maybe an unsatisfying answer but it does seem i mean in general it's more of a like narrative thing than or, you know or not even a narrative thing because i guess it would be narrative either way but just like setting a, oh it's more fun to do this stuff at night or or whatever you know yeah yeah like uh, there there was a moment where i think you all brought up to me like hey should should we change travis in this way because isn't it going to be hard to do the things that we need to do if he's a, a man during the day and like i had looked back and i was like there there were so many times I'm like, oh, I wish Travis could be a man at night so we could have him during these negotiation scenes. Mm. And it feels weird that we make like Gable and Jonnet handle the, the Bougie Neath negotiation because Travis is stuck as a bird during all that. But, you know, that, that ultimately led to like the decision sort of midway through is I put on the table in this legitimate game that I was playing with Johnny between Travis and the Morgan. This arc is one of the things that I put on table was the ability for Travis to transform whenever he wanted. Like I was like, part of me wants to live in the moment of him not having that power conveniently uh, for a little bit. But the, the rest of me is like, gosh, it would be convenient if we could make problems for ourselves in the future to have him do certain things now. So I put that in the game and, you know, Johnny will, never stop gambling so it, w- it was pretty easy for him to eventually grab that you just like 
Travis just came out of Angoni with so much more baggage. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Unnecessary yeah. things he has to I, deal with. I don't, I don't think it was unnecessary. I liked that Travis went into Ungoni with kind of an existential crisis of, is my whole life written for me and are any of my choices real? And kind of coming out with a different crisis of knowing my choices can be real. Like the, it, it could have, I think, been a very easy thing to have Travis sort of backslide on, well, everything I do is destiny, so it doesn't matter what I do. And I, I don't want that for Travis because I feel like that character is too similar to the Travis that we had in Bujanith and in earlier arcs before he got to meet Margaret. And I didn't want like the catalyst of meeting Margaret to lead to an emotional crisis that had him double down on <laughs> things that were already happening because that to me would feel very unsatisfying. So like giving him the perspective of like, actually it doesn't matter what destiny says for you because the forest queen has been changing destiny ostensibly to hurt you for goodness knows how long hurt you and other people so like th that that i kind of like ha having that change this is this is one that i would love to hear y'all muse on if sphere had movies would they have a version of cats and if so would the cats uh be birds so wait so are we assuming that in this world like there is already a production like a live theater production of mm. birds the musical um, and mm. then it got greenlit to go to screen. And mm -hmm. now there is a film CGI heavy production of birds. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Yeah. yeah. I feel like if, <laughs> if the spear version of cats is birds, then the earth version of birds would be like horses. You know what I mean? Yeah, they fill different <laughs> roles. Yeah, birds they, yes. are not are. are I, I don't think that someone would write a book of twee poetry mm -hmm. about birds necessarily. You'd write it about maybe uh, your lap lizards or something like that. Right. Birds I mean, here's the thing, though. I I kind of feel birds because it is a larger general category than horses can occupy like there are no small very small horses that we can keep in our homes only right? small actors if there was like a horse that was like what yeah exactly if there was a horse that was like one foot tall and like you could have trot around your home i met a tiny horse once how tiny what how tiny is tiny though like a big is dog like the size, the of, size a of like a um the size no the size of like a big dog well yeah uh, see big it's still too big if it was the size of like a cat like a tiny little cat you had trotting around your home i think there is a bigger <laughs> chance that you get a book of twee poetry about horses birds can be big in sphere but they can also be small and they're a much more common thing for people to interact with like people have built more of their economy around birds i think there is potential and the reason that I'm leaning towards that, like, yes, there is a production of birds uh, is because of how horny cats is and the broker's bizarre, like, bird costume thing. Yes. The broker could just be a big fan of the musical birds. Wow. Don't. No. 
What? That is a small horse. That's a tiny horse. That also feels like that horse. That's, is that has to be a young horse. That's that is a young horse for sure. Is this That's, is is this the smallest horse in the world? Let's see. It it, it is a it is <laughs> a foal. Is a, search this horse. A foal is a baby horse. horse right? It's a baby horse. It's still a tiny horse. Yes. yes. Can you put the link to this picture in the show notes so that the audience can follow along? That's important. Time code. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that is important. Uh, I'm going you... to say no that there's no cats only because I don't think in Spears theater world we're going there would be an equivalent era of the 90s mega musical that would set the stage for such a success mm. of such a minimalistic non-star driven product. I think stars move uh, put butts mm. in seats in sphere. So but uh, there's I no equivalent. don't think Cats is a particularly star-driven musical. No, it's th- it? exactly. That's what I'm saying. Is that I think it's very unique. Oh, that it can't but, exist unless it's reaction. But we have yes. established that one of the main things of theater in this world is that you can replace the actors on stage. Oh man, yes. yeah. And how Bert. easy would it be to just slip in and say, yeah, "I'm this fucking cat." There's no plot. <laughs> That's true. That it is what if the made. Cats musical does exist? It's entirely improvised, and people bring their own cat personas to introduce. Oh, my cat Sona! Song first Sona. Yeah, <laughs> that word already exists. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So it, it, it's just you go and like because the premise of the musical is just a bunch of weird fucking cats introducing themselves. Like you can at any time step into the show and introduce your cat. And, and that's how that goes. Well, then, if that's the case, then I would, I would be wary to say that there is a, you know, if if movies do exist in sphere, like I would be wary to say that there is a cats or birds mm. movie because it's been so up in the air and nebulous, no one can lock down a fucking script to then produce. Yeah, it's yeah. deeply regional. Each region has their own like. Cats or birds, state-specific cats productions. Yes, I think if they if they did make a movie, they would try and take elements of like the largest or most popular regional versions, uh-huh. and it would be it would be a mess. So I think yeah. that actually it would be <laughs> actually oh, we've come back around. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, for different reasons, but also correct. Oh man, I love the idea of these regional cats productions. Tra- like having like traveling and two different regions like meeting each other and <laughs> they swap they swap cats or swap oh. birds it's like oh i really liked that number where mr yeah. mistopheles ate <laughs> his own tail <laughs> that doesn't happen in my production mr I mean, mistopheles like doesn't need anything that, that is more uh like folk theater type thing of like having a play or a performance thing that changes from place to place and people do their version of it, which means that, it, you know, it, completely different things could happen. It's like Greek uh, mythology and Roman mythology. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It is definitely that. And like 
with the the thing that like uh, one of the issues with our discussion of theater is one of our freelancers has put in some work to tie theater into part of their thing and we've seen that but only in the blimp jacks side series uh that is in the secret archive and nobody else here apart from me has any idea of what happened there i never will the the globe theater equivalent or like the artistic hub of sphere where people doing things involving theater and like visual art and print and and sculpture and all these sorts of things that that have the most money for that are people uh operating out of the silver chalice and windrider island which is the reason all of this money is there is they there is a brothel there and there is like uh, they have just like broadened things to where like they sell prints and calendars and whatnot. So like if you're an artist, a visual artist, you can get a lot of money if you show up to Windrider Island and just take a bunch of erotic commissions that get dozens and dozens of prints oh. made and shipped off for them. So it's like, hey, Shakespeare, we'll give you all the money you want. You can do Hamlet. It has to have two sex scenes because that's what our audience expects. Is, uh, so it's like, do that. It's like so furry it's like yeah yeah like that's the thing is like there is just all of this really cool avant-garde art coming out of there but they also need to please people so like these sky ships will come in from all over to see the silver chalice they're they're there to see a nudie show but Shakespeare wrote that nudie show. So there's some real emotional and story depth to the language and whatnot that's taking place there. Uh, so like, I, I, th- that's one of the reasons that I really like this bizarre theater culture of like, we could just replace people at any point. Like uh, there, there's a lot of fun stuff uh, to that. Um, but yeah, we'll address that later probably in side stories it is one of my favorite things about the universe that that somebody wrote up for us which i should look up the person who did that so i credit them here instead of saying somebody came up with that i should say this person came up with that but he Why wouldn't you put your name on it? <laughs> oh, they didn't. They didn't address it or sign it. Oh, so they, they. I mean, like I have it in the email. I just need to look at another place. Share. Yes, uh, this was created by Share P, oh. uh, who I will now sign their document for them so that we know. Yeah. So uh, this this was created by Share P, where. 
like the, this is just somebody who you know we we had asked about developing sex work in the world of sphere and how it could be and they're just like oh yeah all all highbrow art is sort of contingent on it being erotic in some way because that's how the culture formed because all of this money started pouring into this one specific place which i think is great and hilarious so i was super super thrilled that that we got to to nod to that a little bit um but yeah Stepping back from that and into another question, this one comes to us from Philip. Ooh, I'm Philip. I'm probably not going to pronounce your last name properly. Philip Chung is how I would say that. Apologies if if I got that wrong. It says, uh, James, what does your research process for DMing and world building look like? The discussion of old lighters on a recent episode made me think made me think of this. It's really more of a general question about how you approach this element of your craft. Uh, for me specifically, I listen to a podcast called the Pirate History Podcast, which is super fun. If you're interested in historical podcasts, it is just a very well-researched and told history of piracy story starting back from like the early Elizabethan period where like the sea dogs would go out under uh, people like Walter Raleigh and uh, Francis Drake and steal money from the Spanish in order to kind of fund England's whole thing. And it goes through all these different histories of pirates. And I have been assured that one day it will go into non-European piracy because like the really interesting pirates out there are like the Chinese pirates who there is a Chinese pirate queen who was so good at being a pirate. The government at the time decided to just pay her money to not be a pirate anymore. <laughs> That's the like, dream. They're just like, huh. We're not going to arrest you. We're not going to come after you. We're going to give you this much money every year if you will please stop robbing our ships. And she retired happily and successfully because she's the greatest pirate who ever lived. So, like, I, I, I am interested in that. I would love more resources that talk about sort of day-to-day -day ship life. I feel like that is stuff that we could really incorporate into our setting and whatnot more. Like, things like rope lighters are super cool because that is, like, just a tiny detail that can make the world feel more authentic and think about, like, oh, yeah, this is something that would be developed for people who had to work on a ship and like it would have to work in a very particular way and it wouldn't work like the way we use lighters on land. I am interested in that. I, I, I won't say like I haven't gone off and, and read a huge load of different historical books because a lot of this is fantasy make em ups and I don't have to do work if I don't want to. Um, so the way I have been incorporating any historical stuff or, or study or whatnot has been at, at, at what strikes me as will be entertaining or interesting to learn about. Uh, I'm curious, though, has anybody done anything where, like, maybe not uh, read histories or whatnot, but, like, watched the Pirates of the Caribbean or, like, Black <laughs> Sails or, like, done anything to, like, learn anything or, you know, I've, what's up? I've been on the <laughs> ride a lot. Oh, there we go. And I know I've watched a lot of ride throughs. I was just going to say, I know Liz and I have both watched a lot of ride throughs of all different iterations of Pirates of the Caribbean. I've been on three different versions of the ride myself, and I consider that research, and I will be invoicing you for those trips. <laughs> <laughs> those trips in your past. Well, yeah. I mean, that's still, I'm, look, I'm using that knowledge to inform choices in the present. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Pay to man. Uh, 
like very much in I I not like specific parts of pirate culture, but I I find myself like how do I s- use language of the sky and the sea naturally? Yeah. So like things like port and starboard and things like that, like trying to get that in my brain sometimes and i did watch all the pirates movies recently and uh nothing really stuck how about say <laughs> do, you, do you feel better did you feel better equipped no, immediately th- after the credits rolled <laughs> no not not particularly because unless we involve davy jones because i know a lot about that man <laughs> i mean davy like the mariner is essentially davy jones okay, not davy no. jones from the pirate movies but davy jones in like folkloric ideas of like evil sea that is just out to get our precious sailors like isn't you know, it funny we, 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 that that fella from the band the monkeys was also named davy jones yeah it is funny and <laughs> perhaps the monkeys was an attempt by the sea to claim the lives of more sailors sea monkeys huh. worth thinking about thank you sea monkeys. uh i do know what to do if the three of us are in a jail cell and there is a dog that has the keys to that jail cell just outside the jail cell Ah, there we go. Yeah. I know how to flip myself to defy physics to cross a ravine while it's strapped to a beam. Was that was that yes. Pirates 2? That was Pirates 2. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've, I've never seen any of them. Oh, the first one's Oh, great. Johnny, Pir- the f- first one's a lot of fun. Yeah. Delightful. Like, uh, and I think you would also have fun with it. A stunt um, spectacular. It the the stunts are very good. Like, and I'll, I'll say up through, I think even the third movie, the, the third stunts one. are pretty good. The third movie is dog shit from toe to okay. tip. Can we a bad film? Can we once we're all vaccinated, and Tyler mm-hmm. is in town? Can we live stream us watching one of them? No, I we would need to do a hit do Hancock. Oh, we, <laughs> we got to do Hancock <laughs> first. We got to do Hancock first. Uh, I, I think then I'm remembering the second the second Pirates movie has a sword fight on like a water wheel that, yeah. that like broke yes. free. That fight rules. It's <laughs> absolutely ludicrous, but it does feel kind of on tone for some of the action that happens on our show. So like th- those movies, like I haven't seen anything past three and I kind of want to because I know they're very popular in China. And I'm so curious as to why, uh, like th- those movies do, do have some stuff to give. The it, last thing that I'll say, oh, oh I was going to say if they, if they are really popular, where is the cool pirate? Is the cool pirates in Shanghai or is that in Hong Kong, Liz? It's in Shanghai. I couldn't hear you, but I, it looked like you said it's Shanghai. A, it's in Shanghai. Shanghai. Yeah. So that would track if it's, if they're really popular there. Cause their, their version of the ride is. Absolutely out of control. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I mean, like that franchise. The reason that franchise is so long is because, uh, and and does not do well in the United States, is because there is an audience for it outside of the U.S. Um, and I'm pretty sure it's China. the The last thing I'll say, the cool, fun thing that I learned about piracy from my pirate podcast that I listened to is the word buccaneer is a bastardized version of a word for a cooking device that's essentially like a barbecue like imagine a weber grill like that's what a a buccaneer is um uh, or, or that's where the word came from so it's because on these ships that they would have if you weren't 
uh, out like stealing gold from Spain, what you the work that you could get uh, around like the uh, Bahamas and whatnot was to get logwood. You would you would go out, you would log trees, and you would bring them back, and they'd use those trees to to build ships and like other things in England and around the world. Um, and in order to go on these logwood trips, you would need to take these barbecues with you, and you would kind of like chill out and and cook out while you were doing it because it's the only way to cook food. Um, and a lot of like the people who would go like sign up for this type of life. Uh, were either young men who like had no other options in life or slightly older men who were not interested in settling down and getting married because they were gay. So the word buccaneer kind of means barbecue gays. Uh, so like you would you would be like, oh yeah, you're, you're somebody who goes out and gets logwood. Okay, I kind of understand what oh, your lifestyle but- is. And one of the most important things about your lifestyle is that you go out, you have fucking parties on the beach after cutting down some trees, and you're probably not interested in getting married and settling down. So that's like um, the the old, old, old timey version of calling someone like a confirmed bachelor. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That, that and and gay marriage was also a thing on pirate ships. Uh, when we talk about pirates being mateys, you could basically have a civil union with somebody where when you died, it would your like share of treasure and whatnot would pass to your matey. And like that is something that like legally would bind people on pirate ships. And like, yeah, there were there were male male pirate mateys and they didn't really flinch at it so it's just kind of a cool thing a lot of fun stuff to discover about pirate history ahoy um, indeed oh, fuck. Ahoy. <laughs> the other question that, that philip had for us is i had rough idea of the events oft referenced session zero but obviously it hasn't been made public yet after ungoni how much information has is still yet to be revealed or was not revealed oh, and if so like what percentage would we say got addressed for for me i kind of think we hit basically everything that we came up with in that session zero for the ngoni session zero specifically just like yeah. building and then paying off the stuff that we set up yeah yeah, yeah we never of, saw the like we dinosaurs but besides that i think we hit everything oh yeah we missed the dinosaurs mm. the big cool dinosaurs <laughs> you can only hear about if you go to the patreon <laughs> and listen very closely yes because we hid that in code. Um, I th- I, no. That question sounds like they're talking more about the the original session zero oh. for the whole campaign. Because the oh. the oft talked about. Oh, okay, yeah. So the original session zero that was a million years ago. <laughs> it is a million years ago. I do have a better conception of what still needs to be addressed that got made up. Maybe whether it appeared in that session or not, like there are at least two monumentally giant things that, that came up in that that have not come out yet. One of them, I'd, I'd say both of them have been alluded to and foreshadowed in some way. Yeah, the, the, like... One I think is is pretty close on our heels, and the other one I'd say is like two arcs away from coming to the fore. But it's also like a great time, like excuse to check in about like how how much uh, more of the show we we have to go through of like these big arcs. I I consider what we've done so far to be like 
the first chapter of our series. Like if you were to break it up into like parts or whatever, we've just finished with part one because that was kind of about getting the stuff from the civility and selling the stuff from the mm -hmm. civility. In the, the part that we have ahead is like where we start to get into more of the real meat and conflict of, of the series is like figuring out now that we have resources and can do things, what do we, do, what do we do with power now that we've got some power and what direction do we want to go as people and as a team? Um, and then the third part is like taking on all of the big challenges that have laid before us and, you know, tying those things up, which is, which isn't to say that we're nearing the end of this series at all. I feel like we've got a, a long way to go and it could take us a couple years to get there. But like what I am saying is that we have actually made a significant amount of progress I was in about to be uh, like, the last couple. Arcs. Chapter one. <laughs> I was yeah. like, How many? book one. I feel like at yeah. least a book. <laughs> book one. Like if we were to look at this, the Lord of the Rings, we've finished fellowship. Okay. We're about to like start on two towers now, which um, feels like so wild because it, putting it that way helps me, but also makes me think like if someone were to condense this down into a movie to put everything that we've done in two hours or director's cut of three hours, that would that would clip so fast. They're, like the, the amount that you would have to cut out of our story in order to make it a movie is extremely daunting to me. The only way that I could see producing this is as a television series and perhaps with cinematic tie-ins. Uh, I think something like the flashback to whatever the fuck happened on the island when Oromar died, that could be a movie for sure. That's there's there's no question about that. The main story of Skyjacks, brother, if you're trying to make that a movie, you are you are gonna put everybody in for a bad time. I, I don't know why it is, but like right now, we I've Jessica and I have been rewatching like all the MCU movies, mm -hmm. um, and comparing those to like the two TV shows, even yeah. though like each TV show is not much longer cumulatively than a movie. I feel like breaking it up like episodically it helps you get like, you know, each episode is like, this is the thing. This is the thing. This is the mm -hmm. thing. And then it's all one bigger thing, even though it's, I mean, Falcon, the winter soldier was like three and a half hours, maybe, maybe four, but it feels yeah. like so much I, more I, happened. I, I... Well, I, I agree. I feel like it got to cover more ground and you got to live with those characters more. Like, I feel like I understand who Sam is as Captain America so much better than I do, uh, like, to know uh, how, fuck, Steve, Steve was as Captain America, you know? Um, so, uh, yeah, I think, but again. We just finished Fellowship, all right? There's <laughs> there's there's more to go that, like, Phase one. We finally get to meet some of the big villains in this next arc. We finally get to see more of the structure of the world, the forces that you're up against. The and forces of delight destiny. Delightfully to me, you guys, I get to see how you're going to decide how to fight these challenges and take the fight to these challenges because a lot of this has been 
you on your heels kind of reeling from the problems that came with not having a captain for six months or happening onto something very valuable and doing your best to get something out of it. Now you have all the power in the world at your disposal and fingertips. You can do what you want with it, but it's not going to be like it, you can take that in any direction. Uh, and you are up against some big and very powerful enemies. So I guess go to the drawing board. Start thinking about that because you're in trouble. Ugh. Yeah, That's Tyler's like of... actually got a literal drawing. <laughs> oh. I, I, I think we got most of the questions. This this last one is, is more of like almost cheekily uh, trying to get world building information out of it, but I do kind of like it. Uh, it says, in Sphere, is there an equivalent of traditions like Shellback and Order of Neptune, which gave a marker of distance traveled or navigational lines crossed? Are there associated tattoos and whatnot? And the follow-up question is, how would the crew prove to other Skyjacks that they've been to the floating city? So what uh, the tradition that they are referencing is sailors, like kind of as a rite of passage, if they went to certain places uh, or, you know, have been traveling so long across certain distances, like let's say you, you know, traveled a thousand miles in, in your time as a sailor, you might get a tattoo or a, some other sort of marker or token to prove that. I kind of like that idea. What do you think uh, an, a sphere equivalent might be for, for that sort of tradition? And is is there one specifically for Ungoni? Johnny is smiling. I feel like if you're like a real badass pirate, when you go to a port, like they have small, you can basically get branded with like a, a symbol for yeah. like each port town. And it's just like a tiny oh. little, I mean, real tiny, like the size of a dime. Oh. And then you can mm -hmm. just kind of like, collect them all you know wherever just have like maybe like almost like a you know how they have like a military what is that called where it has like your rank but it's like all the little symbols almost like the that bars but yeah. you would like yeah. just have it tattooed on your chest of like all the places you visited and maybe if you've been back to a place you get like you know a strike or some sort of like notch on that to show that you've like been back that's pretty cool I, I kind of like the idea that maybe the tattoo artists in each port like have their own version of like, oh yeah, at our port, we do kind of a sun. And like mm -hmm. each time you come back, you're like getting a little ray added to your sun yeah. or whatever, or, you know, it's thematically tied to the place and you as a sailor, where you decide to put something on your body kind of denotes its significance to you like if it's your home port you probably put it over your heart um Aww. so like Aww. if you have a bad experience somewhere it's like this one goes on my ass uh because <laughs> this place fucking sucks <laughs> uh, and i still then, want people to know that makes <laughs> that makes uh then there's got to be like that means that there's a town in sphere that and if you tally it up has more ass tattoos than anyone else, which means it's the worst city in Sphere. Yes. <laughs> People go to there. I can't. We have to improve 
this town. I can't right. keep tattooing all these that's, asses. That's, yeah, that's where that's where the my, phrase. I'm the one this, has to deal with it. It's like, oh, that's the asshole of spear, spear. <laughs> and that's <laughs> yes. where that phrase came from. Oh god, I, I love it. I, I like the idea that, like, yeah, maybe on your arms or your wrist or whatnot, those are places that, like, you really loved and enjoyed and want to be reminded of your time there. And I, I kind of like the the home one being on the heart because like you don't always see a tattoo like that, and you probably don't want to always look at it because it makes you sad and homesick. Ooh, uh, ooh, ooh. maybe fun, that, fun stuff. So yeah, absolutely. Ingoni, that feels like something that you would get. I don't know. It felt like something that you'd get strapped on like on your shoulder. You get like the first one would be like the platform, and then every time you go back, it's another loop <gasps> down. And then it's like, oh yeah, it just goes all the way down your your shoulder, your arm. Oh, oh, what if it's like uh, almost like because Ungoni has these tattoos for their cultural leaders that are hexagons, and like they can't give you a hexagonal tattoo because that means something, but like they're giving you like a segment of a hex or whatnot, and so. It can look like a non-traditional hexagon or something like that. Like I, I think that's kind of cute. Like how you collect all the pieces of a pie in Trivial Pursuit. Yeah, oh. yeah. So uh, then I guess the last part of that question is like for particular mile markers, do you think there are things? Because, you know, that that could be something that Jonathan has to celebrate at a certain point. <gasps> like he his Sweet 16 is probably also going to oh, correspond yeah. with his one year on I a pirate mean, like, ship too. But also like, fuck a Sweet 16. Like he, lo- he logged like his first thousand sky miles. That's, mm-hmm. oh, that's- That's almost enough to buy know, you a flight. Like, honestly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, yeah, that sounds dope. I like huh. that. I like that. Is 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 it a tattoo? Is it a piercing? like a keepsake of some kind? In my in my head, it's like uh, something. It's something more than a tattoo, but it is some sort of like body mod. Ooh. It's like whatever booty you've gotten, uh, or like whatever gold or silver, like it's pounded down, and like either tied into the hair or like in made into a ring. It's just like something small enough, but like still shiny enough. What if it's like a piece of jewelry that is equivalent to like a year's pay? Ooh. Like this is a significant thing. Cause it's like, you've been in the sky for a thousand miles. You have been around at least long enough that everybody kind of cares about what happens to you. So this not only represents like your time, but if there's a rainy day or something, this will save your ass. Oh, Ooh. I like that. Because it also solves a lot of problems with like liquidating assets. And it's like a retirement fund in a weird way. What, you if, know? It's, what if it's like it is that, but maybe you can't. It's like a, der- a dermal implant so that like if you do need to cash out, it's like. Oh fuck! I gotta like actually rip this Ooh. out, but I've got it. So you can you can see like either part of it sticking out, or you can see you can like maybe wherever you put it, it's like everyone puts it on the same spot, and it's like you know count, you got to count your like count your ridges or count your bumps or something to see how many like miles you've gone. <laughs> Ooh, so you can that's like so fucking that you could like size cool. someone up 
like, you know, kind of like flexing your muscles, but you like do that and you can see like how many ridges they've collected or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. that, that, oh, that's very cool. I mean, that makes me think that is is the thing that's in your arm, whatever it is, it's like it's just so dense and valuable that like that's it or is. Well, because it made me think that like whatever you put in your arm is just like maybe just like a, a placeholder for like. Hey, you take this and then you go to a any port or something like that. And like you can use this. They will give you your pay's worth. No, I, I think I like I like it being like whatever it is. It's like in there. But also that means you like you as a pirate are like embedded with ridiculous amounts of gold. And I feel valuable. like that would like <laughs> makes you a fucking target. Yeah. 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 The, sal- the, saltier, the saltier you are, like the more literally like the better the the better you are as a pirate the higher the literal higher the price is on your head yeah i i kind of love that that's great especially because there is no like government or anything that like places bounties so like some pirate hunters might literally be hunting pirates then without an agenda or wanted poster because it's like if i kill a pirate what what's the big deal they're a fucking criminal and their bodies are full of gold and jewels. Um, <laughs> or and which, if, if someone, if you get put, if, if some, someone puts a bounty on you, someone's like, I want, I want that pirate. And they send the bounty hunter. They can like negotiate instead of the person paying the bounty hunter. They can negotiate like a percentage of the pay in, that's actually in them. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I'll give you my arm bump. Just fuck off, okay? Yeah. Um, I I like that, and also that means if a pirate dies and is buried, like there is just buried treasure. Fuck, um, they are buried treasure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, God. I think I think we have served that question really well, and and we we had a good good. Good chat about the arc. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. We are very excited to resume with our next arc, and I guess you'll have some indication of how quickly we're able to cast people because you'll know whether or not we have a new performer. But uh, yeah, thank thanks for listening and goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ex- oh, I guess miserable. Oh, I'm excited mm-hmm. to get our our implants for our podcasting hours. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and those will be worth the amount of time that you've put in. So they'll be made out of dirty garbage. Great. <laughs> Great. Because that, cool, that's what you. podcasting is worth. I, I forgot. We do have a real sign off, which is there are no kings. Take flight. All right. That was cool. Before we end the show, I wanted to note that this episode was edited by Ali Grauer. And I wanted to take a quick moment to thank some of our backers on Patreon. Kazard, thank you. Sage, thank you so much. Terry, thank you very much. Rhea Strong, thank you. Chris Parasodi, thank you so much. John Cushman, thank you. Tiest Ville. 
Thank you very much. Joshua Taylor Cahey. Thank you. Joe. Thank you very much. Terry Osborne. Thank you. Zakaya Nakvi. Thank you so much. Christina Kennedy. Thank you. Emily Laris. Thank you so much. Abe Kenmore. Thank you very much. Randall Nelson Peterman. Thank you. Amber Sky Engelman. Thank you so much. And Matt Shearer. Thank you. Thanks again to everyone who supports us on Patreon. This show would not be possible without your support. We've got some amazing new Skyjacks Patreon content coming up in July, so you'll want to make sure you're subscribed to get it as soon as it comes out. Just head over to patreon.com slash one-shot podcast to sign up and support. And now, the credits. Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter at at CampaignPod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. You can find more great gaming shows over at OneShotPodcast.com. Jonnet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at Liz Anderson underscore underscore underscore, or on her podcast, Paired. Travis Matago was played by Johnny O'Mara, who can be found on Twitter at Johnny and Briefs, or on his podcast, Dilettante Ball. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG or on my other podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this production was composed and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find Arnie on Twitter at A-R-N-E-P-A-R-R-O-T-T. And you can find more of his work at ATPTunes.com. This episode was edited by Casey Tony, who can be found on Twitter at Casey Pony, spelled C-A-S-E-Y. P-O-N-E-Y, or on his own podcast, Neoscum. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter, at Fiona Pup. The world of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists and the card game Illimat, property of Together Studios. The game used in this production is a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system that was created by a talented group of game designers who were fired by a private equity firm owning Fantasy Flight Games. There are no kings. Take flight, heroes. Health to the strangers who've ever been kind, and once for our friends ne'er to rise. Twice to the dearest we're leaving behind, who know we can never deny the call of the sky. Design Doc started as a podcast about designing a role-playing game. Over the years, it's turned into so much more. It's a show about the challenges of burnout, making money from creative projects, and what goes into bringing a game to life. Come along with Hannah and Evan in a living documentation of the game design process. One review described it as the audio equivalent of taking a hike with a good friend. You can search for Design Doc on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.